Good morning, welcome to Pigeon Post. It's been a while since I've done an episode. <laughs> I probably sound tired, which is ironic because I'm doing this episode about rest, um, or at least about the question of should a Christian, um, or maybe in what sense does a Christian consider themselves at rest? Um, so, um, full disclosure, this is from a, a Facebook comment that I got, um, from an old friend, um, who I'm meaning to talk to, but I don't want to call that person at, uh, eight o'clock in the morning, but, um, but I will talk to them soon just to, to clarify things and see how they're doing and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not taking to uh, podcasting as a as any anything passive aggressive, um, but I thought it was an interesting question and I didn't really know how to answer it um, at first. Um, I think the perception is that uh, I tend to post things on Facebook that are critical or pointing out. Um, false teaching and, uh, you know, problems in the worldview that most people have, probably especially in America, um, you know, where we tolerate things like abortion and um, where the church is becoming very tolerant of certain sins. Um, and when I say tolerant, I mean actually like endorsing them or saying, calling evil good. And um, the question from this person was, I'm, I'm very much paraphrasing this, so forgive me if I'm not fully communicating the spirit of their comment. Um, they were very careful to say that they, they didn't mean it in a judgmental way or anything like that. So I, I really appreciate that. But um, the question, and even if I don't nail their intent of the question, I just think it's an interesting thing to talk about. Um, because it did kind of, um, it got my attention. Because the person said, you know, and I'm very much paraphrasing, they said basically that being against you know, or speaking out against non-believers, and then <clears throat> on the post that they commented on, I was commenting on somebody who actually had been a believer but had left the faith, and uh, so this idea of critiquing the church and the world, and I guess seeing a lot of what I post, like, I think the person was getting at, is that all that I think about? You know, do I ever get a chance to chill out, you know, to um, sit back and relax? And um, so, you know, I think, I think the idea underneath it is, is this idea of rest or maybe even like peace. Like, if Christ has given you peace in your heart um, and love in your heart and... Um, 
by the way, I guess this is also related to another comment I got from a friend who, you know, specifically said that that they didn't think that I was lacking in love uh, because I questioned them on it, but they wanted to add love to what I said, um, which was something to the effect that, you know, that if we're going to defend the gospel, we have to, or defend the faith, we have to critique false gospels and be a critic of them and also rejoice in the truth. And um, they added this idea of love to that, you know, and love, you know. And, uh, you know, that hit me a certain way too because the implication is that you can never, here's what I think, and I don't think the person, I don't know what the person was intending, so I'm not judging either one of these people's hearts. And I, I don't want to set a precedent that every time <laughs> I get some, some comment on Facebook that, you know, I have to uh, make a podcast about it or anything like that. But honestly, I haven't podcasted in a while. And just this, these ideas have just been kind of kicking around my head, not just from the comments, just for a while. I mean, I feel it too, you know, um, this self-questioning, like, am I overly critical? Um, is this something that I need to tone down? Um, and all, a bunch of other questions that flow from that, you know. Um, so I don't really know how much I'm going to share, or how much about 15 minutes till I'm at work, but... So the idea that, number one, the first part, like, in what sense is a Christian at rest if they're always in this mindset of battling ideas? And I think underneath that, and this wasn't implied at all, but even, even if it wasn't implied or intended, as I'm thinking through it, just personally, underneath it, is maybe the the idea that if has Jesus accomplished anything real if I am still having to get out there so to speak which I don't really even consider Facebook getting out there I feel like I don't do enough honestly um, I have a backpack and I've been accumulating different, um, what we call tracks, T-R-A-C-T-S, the word's not used very often. It's basically like Christian literature um, that has the gospel on it, something small that somebody can read. And uh, I know that probably strikes a lot of us as really silly, like I would never, ever consider doing that just a few years ago. <laughs> Of walking around with a backpack talking to people and then possibly giving them some kind of literature it just sounds like something like a Jehovah's Witness would do um, but actually tracks are a very reformed thing to do uh, we the reformed part of the reason why it happened and was successful was this information was able to get out and people were writing things and I think most people these days rely on blog posts um, and 
I think that's great. Uh, I even, you know, was writing on a blog with my my friend and brother-in-law. And, uh, but it's still kind of like, how do you share a blog post, you know, through an email or a text message or something like that? Um, you can't just hand it to somebody, you know? Um, I mean, you could, you know, look this up kind of thing, uh, or hand them a card, you know, with some kind of, um, something they can scan or, or look up, you know, you could totally do something like that. But just a side note, like tracks are not anything, we shouldn't think like, oh, we're taking this from Jehovah's Witness, it's so weird, you know, uh, we shouldn't do it. Um, actually, like putting literature into someone's hands, I think, could be really powerful um, if, it's done, if it's done well. But what I've been itching to do is just to walk around and, and start conversations with people. Now, I do it, um, I don't know how often, but I do it in my normal life, you know, I will say something to somebody, you know, who's, I don't know, when I'm ordering my burger or something, or, you know, a stranger at the park or something like that, I will take opportunity with those conversations. And I guess that's, that's kind of an example of, of this idea, like, if we're at rest, How does the message go out, you know? Does the message go out just by loving people? Is that is that really what the Bible teaches? Is that what Jesus taught? That the message will go out because people will see how loving we are um, and how great our life is, and then they will ask us, hey, why is your life so great? Tell me about Jesus. Um, is that what the Bible teaches? Um, put to the side the fact that I think we can all agree that that's not really realistic. <laughs> it's not really the way it happens unless you just have so much uh, time on your hands to um, become so conspicuous in your philanthropy, you know, that everybody is like, you would almost have to flaunt how good your works are. Um, for that to actually happen, um, especially in America, where people people have access to the good life, they don't they don't need that from you necessarily, and and is that even the gospel? Um, so, how does the message go out if I'm considering myself to be at rest or at peace? Um, I think if you look at what Jesus said, you know, before he ascended into heaven, he didn't say, go into all the world and rest and love people and that'll be great, you know, th good things will just kind of happen, you don't have to say anything. It's actually the opposite. He's, he put us on mission. He didn't put us on vacation. You know, he didn't put us on rest in a vacation sense. Now, do we get rest spiritually? Yes, we do. But we're put on mission, so there's something that we have to work and accomplish. And it's a work in the sense that we need to do it. Um, it must be done. 
but it's also fully accomplished by Christ when he was on the cross right before he died he said it is finished and he breathed his last he completed our salvation and now the Bible says that he is reigning in heaven and Um, he's reigning in heaven and the, the Father is putting all things under his feet. Um, so Jesus is king. He's ruling and reigning over all the earth. And we are part of that process of bringing the kingdom and putting all things under the feet of Christ. And we're part of the process of spreading the gospel and when Jesus tells us how to spread the gospel um, part of the instruction is to build the church go into all the world and make disciples teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you now there's no way that we can teach people to obey all that Jesus has commanded without a corrective component. I mean, honestly, I don't know how I could call Jesus Lord. Meaning he is worthy, in control, um, God. You know, he's the best thing and deserves much more than I could ever give him. I don't know how I could do that and then be aware that the Creator God who knits us together in our mother's womb to just not say anything about abortion. How could, how could you do that? How could I, I'll just personalize it. I can't do it anymore. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just a few steps away from, you know, preaching outside of an abortion clinic, the good news, the loving good news of Christ, not condemnation, but the loving good news of Christ, because we have to be conspicuous. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to work to just sit back and say, that'll take care of itself. I'm just going to love people. And because I love people so well, um, women will stop murdering their babies. That's not how it works. We have to be salt and light. And sometimes people don't like light in their eyes. And sometimes people don't like salt. Um, it can be abrasive, you know, it seasons food. Yes. Um, but salt and light, depending on the context, are not always appreciated. Um, somebody turns the light on when you're sleeping. Um, the first reaction is to say, turn it off. <laughs> um, but we have to get out there and we have to influence culture. Um, we have to... Because, listen, if we're following the one true God not only do we know what's right from the word, but our argument is the best argument. 
God owns logic. Logic is not owned by um, progressive, um, so-called scientific, uh, this godless thought. Logic is better informed by the knowledge of God. So as Christians, we should have the best arguments. Um, we have the truth. And we need to share that. And we need to, yes, share it in love. We need to make it accessible to people. But we don't need to sit on it. We don't need to... Jesus specifically says, don't hide your light under a bushel. And I wonder if we hide our light, it seems to me for one of two reasons. Either we're ashamed of the gospel, or we don't believe the gospel. Because if we believe that we have the best news in the world and we don't tell everybody, that's insanity. It's, it's insane or ashamed, right? Those are the two choices. Either we're ashamed or we're insane, which I don't think we are. Or we're just lying, like we don't believe that we actually have the best news in the world because we don't tell anybody. And please don't believe the fake St. Francis of Assisi quote, you know, preach the gospel at all times if necessary, use words. For one, it's a fake quote. There's, I can't find a citation where he actually said it. Like, where is that documented anywhere? Um, number two, who cares if he said it? It's wrong. It's not what the Bible teaches. Um, Jesus preached. Jesus came to preach the gospel. Um, sometimes I wonder, like, when we have this idea that Jesus just didn't critique anything, he didn't tell anybody that they were sinning and they needed to repent. Like, what gospel are you reading? Like, are you just reading, like, here's my Jesus quote of the day on my flip calendar on my desk? Like, what kind of lame Lord do you have? And, and forgive my, forgive me for being direct, but that's not Jesus. That is a lame Lord with no, nothing to say. Brother and sister, listener, if you're listening, friend, um, Jesus is called the Word. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words won't pass away. And we say, oh, but I feel this about Jesus. Who cares what you feel? Who cares what I feel? What we feel should be informed by the Word of God, or it's irrelevant. So when I say, who cares what you feel, I don't mean that I don't care about people's feelings. What I mean is, if our feelings are ruling over us, that's not appropriate. It's not right. It's, number one, that's, that's like an animal approach to life. We are human beings. We're supposed to be ruled by what we know is right, not by our feelings. I mean, we can feel all day. Oh, I don't feel like I should, I should say anything that might offend somebody. And Jesus is standing there saying, you need to say something to, to help save that person. And yeah, it might offend some people. But if you don't say anything, you're not, you're, it's like you're warning someone, you're not warning someone that the bridge is out. Okay, I'm at work, I have to pause this. Um, maybe the second half, we'll get to this afternoon.
Good evening. It is approximately 10 hours since we last talked. Isn't that funny how time works in podcast land? <laughs> I always feel funny calling this a podcast because it's more like, you know, a letter to my mom or something. Hi, mom. <laughs> I'm just being a little self deprecating. Um, I'm not sure how many people listen to this podcast, but part of the reason why I'm making it is so that I can share the gospel. And um, really, that's the whole reason why I'm making it, you know. But it gives me a way to share it pretty easily, like um, especially in Facebook comments. I can put a link to a podcast that hopefully I've, you know, thought out what I wanted to say and um, expressed it. And you can hear the tone of my voice um, a lot better than a Facebook comment. Um, so I was kind of all over the place in the first half, and uh, I wanted to sort of be a little more focused and kind of reset. Um, but I think the first half was valuable because some things kind of, sometimes this podcast is just me thinking out loud, and some things kind of came to the fore the forefront of um, of the whole issue of like why say things that are going to offend people I was trying to put my finger on like what is what is the real issue like what would I even title this podcast and I don't really know what I'm going to title it yet but I think one of the key questions is why say things that you know will offend people doesn't that get tiring don't you want to just kind of get along with people and kind of rest from that? And the answer is yes. <laughs> I hate offending people. It is not something I take pleasure in. Um, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to burn this person, you know, or I'm going to, you know, I'm not trying to light people up or anything like that. That's not the goal at all. And um, unfortunately, that's kind of the way that social media works sometimes, you know? Um, memes are like a great way to make a point, um, but it also can be perceived as just trying to, um, you know, put someone on blast for something. And um, so there's been many like um, Christian, so-called Christian memes that I've seen that just seem like completely jerky. And um, I've tried to, as much as some of those might communicate some kind of truth, like, I don't really want to share them because is it worth the trade-off of communicating something I think is true? Um, can you hear that? I need a brake break job in this car. <laughs> is it worth the trade-off? So let's just hit reset or pause on what we were, there are all the rabbit trails I, trails I was chasing. And, um, Let's say, what is the message, okay? So, ultimately, I, I can't defend everything that I say or share or communicate to people. But if I wanted to kind of hit reset on myself and hold myself accountable, 
I would first start by saying, like, what is the message? The message is the gospel, okay? So the gospel is that God is glorious and holy and just and righteous, and that there is one God, there's not many gods, and this one God is who he says he is, right? He says, I am who I am. And he is um, jealous for his own name and his own fame and his own glory. And that's a good thing. It's good that God is good and it's good that God is glorious. And it's good that God is jealous for his goodness and his glory. Because everything else is a lie. And so if God wasn't into himself, so to speak, I've had people say, well, the God you're describing just seems like an egomaniac. Well, you know, it's God we're talking about. <laughs> it's, it's true that God is the best thing, the ultimate good. And I think that's a lot of times why we would rather have an impersonal God than a personal God. Because a personal God would be the best greatest, most uh, satisfying, so to speak, relationship that we could have. And yet, that God would also have to be holy and demanding um, of righteousness and glory and the things that we owe him by virtue of being his creation. And as his creation, we're rebels. We've turned on him. Uh, none of us seeks God the way that we should. Uh, none of us has been without sin. Um, we are all sinful and wicked in our hearts. Even if we do good things, those good things are coming from a wicked heart and a heart that is not doing it for the glory of the one true God, Yahweh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if we've committed these sins and offended this God and we're just kind of fractured and wicked in our hearts. Um, you might be tuning me out right there because you don't believe that that's the way you are. Well, I believe that's the way I am, or at least it's the way that I was before God gave me a new heart. And I'm still carrying around this flesh, but ha which has the same um, kind of warfare going on with the spirit and the new heart that God has given me. Um, and that's what it means to kind of have to deal with this as a Christian to to go through this process of God making us more like Jesus but I'm getting ahead of myself a sinner is in need of a savior so imagine there's a holy glorious wonderful God there's only one God we are sinful we're in need of a savior what is God going to do well he sent his only son uh, Jesus Christ uh, we call him, uh, we call that the incarnation, where God literally takes on flesh. Remember, God is a trinity. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's not three separate gods. It's who God is. And if we revolt against that idea mathematically and logically, um, first of all, just remember that if you're going to describe God and he's perfectly understandable in his nature um, and it makes perfect sense to you, um, then God is really no better than you in some sense, right? Like, we would expect that there is some mystery in God. And so there is a sense in which the Trinity is a mystery. We can't fully explain it and unravel it and draw a picture of who God is. 
But we know from the Bible, God's holy word, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the minute that we get into the story, it starts ringing true. So every other religion says, do this, do that, get better, <clears throat> make better choices, become a better you, um, love people more, love yourself more, you're good, there's not much wrong with you, or maybe some religions will even say you're bad, but just ask for forgiveness and keep doing the best you can. And that is not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about seeing that we can never be good enough and seeing how glorious God is, because if we want to see God, we look at Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to see the Father, look at me. So we look at Jesus and we see how awesome God is and we see how sinful we are. And then Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. He takes the punishment that should have been ours and he bears that punishment on the cross. He sheds blood. So God demands a propitiatory, we call it sacrifice. And Jesus dies in our place. He lays down his life for his friends. He takes the bullet. And the bullet is the justice of God. Jesus bears the justice, the just punishment for our sins on the cross. And when we see that, we see how God has provided for us. We see how much it cost him, what it was worth to forgive our sins through the blood of Jesus. And we repent. We repent. We change our mind. We turn around and we stop walking towards what we want and we start walking towards God. And the reason this happens is because he gives us a new birth. We have a new heart inside of us. And that heart has new desires. And we desire and long to see God glorified. And we desire and long for the kingdom of Jesus to be over all of the earth and to be realized as, as it is. To, to, to sort of, uh, I'm struggling with my words here. The kingdom of God is kind of hard to explain. But basically, we want to see Jesus honored as king in all the earth. Um, let every, the psalm says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And that would be the desire of the Christian's heart, is to see not only ourselves with a changed heart, but all creation restored and renewed <clears throat> to glorify God. And we grow in Christ. We get more, we get to be more like Jesus as we grow. And we join some kind of a church. We, we hang out with other believers. We encourage one another because we see, hey, we're family now. We're family because we used to be rebels and we've been adopted into the family together. We're family with other believers in Christ. And then finally, God is going to bring wickedness to an end. Um, he's going to do that by establishing the reign of Christ on the earth. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to rule and reign over every living thing. And so we will always be with the Lord. And our heart's desire will be fulfilled. So that every desire that we've had that we thought, Oh, I'm getting that Christmas present when I was a kid. And uh, then you have it for a week and you're tired of it. Or it's, oh, you know, 
I'm so in love with this person and then love inevitably fades and that person's not perfect and you're not perfect and there's sorrow that goes along with that and but each of these imperfect gifts that we get are not bad but they're meant to point us to the perfect gift and the perfect relationship so we will always be with the Lord and we use the word heaven way too much but that is the kind of um, you know the pop idea of like what it means to be with the Lord so we will go to heaven if we're believers in Christ and those who haven't had Jesus suffer their punishment justly those who have old hearts that are rebellious against God and do not repent and harden their heart against God will just justly bear their own sins Jesus said if unless you believe that I am he you will die in your sins those that die in their sins will be eternally separate from God separate from his um, from his relationship right but not separate from his justice so his justice will come down upon those people and that we often call hell which is another overused word but still communicates the idea that the person is um, not redeemed right not part of the family uh, but actually an enemy of God that's going to be justly punished. And so the gospel call is repent, turn away from your sins, and believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe that Jesus died for sins that you could never pay for. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. And he paid it. Jesus paid it all. He doesn't pay some of it and then we work our way into God's good graces with the rest of it, but he makes us new creatures. He, had, he buys us into the family. He redeems us from slave to family. And we become children of God by virtue of his sonship. So we inherit what is his. And that's why we will always be with the Lord. Because we are righteous in God's sight. Our sins are forgiven. We are in a brand new white robe in God's sight because all of our sins were born on Jesus. And now we have the Holy Spirit in us and he's working out his righteousness and his fruit in us. And those things glorify God so that even if we are judged by our works in some sense, those works are fruit of what God has done in our life. And so we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone and this is to the glory of God alone it's not because Mary and the Saints were helping us it's not because we helped little old ladies across the street and God was like you're a good Boy Scout you know and pats us on the head and you know you're going to heaven because you're good per good American that's not what it is it's that Jesus did it and we're in Christ it's Noah built the ark and we're in the ark Jesus built our salvation and we're in Christ when we get baptized we go under the water we come up out of the water it represents us dying to our old self that old person's dead you can't send that person to hell they don't exist they died with Christ on the cross and rose again a new person and this person belongs to Christ and is in Christ 
and is united to Christ, and we will no more go to hell than Jesus will go to hell. That's how certain it is that those who are saved are truly saved. And we, re we give that message to everyone. And we call everyone to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus to be saved. And that's the gospel. That's the message. Now, the mission is related to the message. Because the mission is that we go out and we tell people this stuff. And by telling people, we have to talk about sin. If someone doesn't believe that they're a sinner, they don't need a savior, and they'll never be saved. We have to believe that we're sinful people in order to see our need. You have to believe that you have cancer in order to go seek out the cure. It's the same kind of application there. Like, you can't repent unless you know that you've done something wrong. Now, the minute that we try to put the message into the mission, People these days can't take it. People any day can't take it. Let's say there's nothing special about these days. But we're especially sensitive to any kind of absolutes. The last thing anybody wants to hear is an absolute statement. That's the last thing anybody wants to hear. If you, as soon as you, if you say Jesus somewhere, people are going to be great with that. Oh, Jesus helps you? That's awesome. But if you say to somebody, um, Jesus is the only thing that can truly help you. Now you've made an absolute claim and fireworks are going to start. Okay? Um, I can test this by posting it on Facebook and seeing if I get any, any feedback. <laughs> so I'll have friends that are into self-help and motivational speaking and they'll say, this can help everybody, and maybe it can, you know, in some, in some way. These things can help, and people love it. They, you know, they will like, like it and love it. Doesn't matter what their religion are, religion is. If you say something that's broad and universal, and this can help people, people are all about it. But if you say Jesus is the only way that you can fully be who you were supposed to be. Jesus is the only way that you can have the identity that you're supposed to have. Jesus is, how about this one? Jesus is the only way that you can ever even come close to pleasing God. Without Jesus, everything that you do is displeasing to God. The minute we start making those statements, people lose their minds because we've stirred up the ant bed. I'm from Texas. You don't want to stir up the ant bed in Texas. I don't even see ant beds here in Colorado, but um, that that's unacceptable. The minute that you put the true message and you put it on mission. Now, some of us have the true message and we don't, we're not on mission. So we hide the, the message and nobody has any problems with us because we hide the message. But the minute that the message the message becomes united to the mission, okay, now you are not trying to offend people, but inevitably offending people. Um, a Christian cannot be silent about abortion. Christians should not have been silent about the Holocaust. I wonder if there were any Christians in Germany during the Holocaust. Were there? 
how many of them spoke out as they saw Jews being mistreated? I don't know. I'm not claiming to know. But I have heard stories that there would be people in Protestant churches and churches of all kinds they would actually sing louder so they didn't have to hear the trains going by. I wonder, do we sing louder when we drive by a Planned Parenthood? Now, Christians are doing all kinds of great things to support women with unplanned pregnancies and single mothers. And this work is awesome. And Christians should be involved in all kinds of ministries to help people with their physical needs. But that mission has to be joined to the mission that is the message. Because we're not offering mere bread to people. We're offering the bread of life. Right? Like the proverb that says, not from the Bible, but the, the wise saying that says... If you teach, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him to fish, you feed him for his whole life, right? Well, we could sort of like modify that, right? If you give someone a piece of bread, you fed him for a day. If you give them the bread of life, they will never hunger again. If you give them living water, they will never be thirsty again. Because... This is the power. This is the good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. But sin has to be addressed for what it is. We have to stand up for those that can't stand up for himself, for themselves. We have to speak out against abortion. We have to speak out against injustice. We have to... Now, this... I think some Christians like think that the shorthand for all this is to be Republican. And that's not true either. Republican is not the default ironclad outworking of faith. It's just not. Unfortunately, we don't have many pro-life choices out there, do we? So I don't want this to turn into politics. But let's be honest. I mean, we have to do what we can through voting. We have to be part of crisis pregnancy centers. And we have to just speak out to people and try to influence them and change their minds. Mainly about Christ, but also about things that are abhorrent to God and things that are just bad for society. Our society is just kind of going this way where we don't even like the death penalty anymore. We should be expanding the death penalty. the death penalty is a command of God. When Noah got out of the ark, God instituted the death penalty, life for life. If someone kills someone, they should die. It doesn't really matter what degree murder it is. It shouldn't be just special, you know, um, people that do heinous things. But you commit murder, you should die. This is what justice is. So the minute we start taking the commands of Christ, remember that Jesus said, Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Okay, well, Jesus is God of the Old Testament too. Does that mean that we're instituting Old Testament laws? We have to be careful with that. We're not instituting food laws, ceremonial laws, um, even laws that were specific to the nation of Israel. But it does mean that general principles 
and things that God set out that says, says do this, these are the things that we should be promoting, right? Life, we should be pro-life. And part of being pro-life is being pro-death penalty. So you see, as soon as a Christian starts working out these things that are commands of Christ, these things that we should be obeying, it is part of our message because it's part of the message of what the world needs to repent from and what they need to turn to. And we start not making friends by talking about some of these things, right? And the true church begins to show itself because the false church will not obey Christ. So there's a Presbyterian church nearby. Presbyterians sort of originated kind of through the Reformation, right? Teachings of John Calvin, maybe Dutch Presbyterians, somehow they end up in America. And now this Presbyterian church is affirming of LGBTQ, like fully affirming of that whole thing. Like, this is okay, it's not a sin, God's kind of changed his mind, that kind of thing. And the, the testimony of Scripture is, no, God hasn't changed his mind. God thinks this is sinful, and he says that these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he, it's, there's another part of that list, too. People that envy, people that are drunk all the time. Um, you know, basically, these things are characteristics of an old heart. If you have a, God accepts everyone. He accepts everyone. But, but he doesn't accept anyone that will not bow to him as Lord. So if you want to come to him as Lord, you have to leave everything. Jesus said, if you love your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake in the gospels, you will find it. Jesus has to be Lord. He has to be in his rightful place as Lord. I don't know how to tie a bow on the end of this podcast. <laughs> All I know is that I'm sitting in front of my garage right now, using my hand, waving my hands in my car. Nobody can see me because it's dark anyway. But trying to communicate my heart here. Brothers and sisters, some of us, let me just encourage you, you need to be more bold. In a loving way, of course. And, and this doesn't mean, uh, you know, that... Like we said, you're not you're not out there to promote the Republican agenda. That not everything is your is a gospel issue, but things that are gospel issues, things that are about obedience to Christ, we need to keep making winsome arguments and true statements. And those statements are gonna sound harsh on the ears these days, and they're gonna sound harsh on the ears of Christians because Christians don't want to hear it either so many friends that don't want to hear this stuff. I don't even know what they believe anymore. They follow after all of these teachers that just teach that you can just keep on being the way you are. God loves you just the way you are. No shame. And they start blending their Brene Brown with their Apostle Paul. And they start blending their um, positive thinking with their gospel thinking. And all of this stuff just gets mushy. You know, here's my motivational speaking and my financial awesomeness with my gospel. And it turns into prosperity. It, the, the gospel cannot be mixed with something else. The gospel is pure gold. And it, the gospel is full strength. And we don't need uh, to cut it with water. You know, like, um, like we're some 
like bootleggers or something, like cutting, cutting down the strength of our whiskey or something like that. Like the gospel is full strength and that's where the power is at in the pure, white, hot preaching of the gospel of the love and grace of God. That is what the message is. That is what the mission is. And I'm not trying to uh, baptize everything I've ever said and because I know this started out as being about you know something I said on Facebook or the amount of critical posts. I'm not trying to say I've always posted stuff right. I frequently delete posts. I run them past my wife who's much more wise uh, on tone than I am. But brother and sister, we have to know that there is truth. And I'm not saying that you have to share it on Facebook or whatever you want to do, right? But there is truth and you have to find a way even if you have to fail through it like I'm doing right now even with this podcast. This is not a perfectly shiny podcast. It's messy. <laughs> it's just me rambling half the time. But it, I'm trying to get to a point here, right? I love my friends and family. I don't want them to go to hell following a false gospel. I don't want them to waste their life. I don't want to waste my life. I question myself too. I don't think I have it all right. There are many things in the word I have no idea what they mean. I am not a perfect interpreter of scripture. But the things that God has made clear, we have to hold on to that or we don't know God. He becomes just this figment of our feelings and imagination. But what he's made clear is clear and Jesus is Lord. And if Jesus is Lord, let me just ask you, if someone points out something about your favorite teacher, your favorite, if you're a Christian, your favorite Bible teacher, and you don't even consider, like, maybe this is wrong, I'll just share with you, like, I like John Piper a lot, and I still share a lot of what he does. But there was one thing that he wrote that I thought was horrible, and I had to totally chill out on Piper. And you know what? I'm willing to set John Piper aside. John Piper is not the one who saves me. It's Jesus Christ. And I don't even know if I would go to John Piper's church nowadays after he wrote that article, because I think he stood behind it, and I think it's wrong. It, there's an, a guy that I used to like, Mark Driscoll. Not, not good. I don't even want to go into like why that's not good, right? But these people, the reason why we should like teachers is because they're teaching us truth, which makes us know and love God more. And the minute that the teacher starts teaching error, we don't just keep going with that and side note the John Piper thing is really complicated theological thing like I'm not saying John Piper's a false teacher okay um, what I'm saying is like are we even willing to to entertain criticism not for the purpose of tearing down but for the purpose of saying like does this honor God is this really what God says 
when Joel Osteen gets up and says his little message, is that really what God wanted him to say? Is that really what the Bible teaches? Or is it painting a picture that's so different that it's not even recognizable anymore? And I have friends that I've told this to and they don't seem to care. They don't even respond with, with a defense of what was said. They just don't want to hear it. Don't respond. Same way with the Catholic Church. Very clear that the Catholic Church does not affirm things that Scripture affirms, denies things that Scripture affirms. My Catholic friends don't even talk to me anymore. They, they don't. They don't reply to my messages. Some of them, even if the message has nothing to do with that. No reply. Consider this. Let's talk about... No. No. We're not going to talk about it. Because... I don't know. I can't judge a person's heart. I don't know why. So I'm not going to pretend that I do. Thank you for enduring this rant. I am a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. I hope I made clear the gospel. Like Paul said, I hope that God pray for me that I can make it clear the way I ought to speak it. I don't think I always do that right. I sincerely apologize for any time I've offended you in the way that I've done something. I am desperately trying to get a message out that's about life and death. And um, I hope you're doing that too. I hope if there's something you really believe in, I hope you're doing that, no matter what it is. Because we need to be convinced that there is truth, and we need to keep allowing the Bible to keep correcting us as long as we live. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely evening. Bye.